Well, I, you know, we've got enough tracks. Something will work here. What could it's possibly gonna be, go wrong? It's gonna be a, it's gonna be an I'm episode of Blink. Every wooden piece of furniture I have. We're gonna have. We're gonna have only one of these is gonna go through, and it's gonna be like Blink. everyone and welcome to The Protagonist. I'm Todd Mack here with Joseph Dorowski and each week we look at a great character and a great story. Today we're talking about Bilbo Baggins from the novel The Hobbit or There and Back Again written in 1937 by J.R.R. Tolkien. So Joseph how you doing? Pretty good how are you? Fantastic I'm really excited to talk about this one of my most favoritest of novels. Do you want me to make my confession right now? Please. I had never read The Hobbit until we selected it for the first novel we were going to discuss on this podcast. Unbelievable. This is me wagging my finger of scorn at you. I had read Lord of the Rings, I think, twice. I've read the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy. Never never read The Hobbit. So uh, so I, I guess I don't need to ask you how you came to this work. I came to this work when you said, hey, let's do The Hobbit. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you how I came to this work. Uh, this is one of the... So, you know, there are those kind of moments when you're a young, a youngling and uh, you find something that just changes the way that you see the world? That was The Hobbit for me. Um, I was an avid reader as a kid. Uh, I liked lots of different things. And I read some fantasy and enjoyed it. Um, and then... I borrowed The Hobbit from somebody. I bet I was 10 and uh, just devoured it. And my life has never been the same. It's it's not, I, I wish, I, I hear about people that are like, oh yes, I go back and I read all of The Lord of the Rings every year. And like Christopher Lee says that. Who does that? Like, how do you have time? I don't, I don't have time to watch the movies once a year, let alone read all of those novels. And, uh, and I, don't know I actually which takes longer, Todd. I think I only that's yeah, true. <laughs> I think I only read The Hobbit just the one time. No, I read it twice because I read it once, and then my uh, Santa Claus, my Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say my parents, but it was actually Santa Claus who gave me uh, the copy that's actually sitting on my desk right now. It's the fiftieth anniversary edition of The Hobbit, with this odd-looking Bilbo Baggins on the front. And an even stranger-looking golem, uh, and it's been on my shelf ever since. It's a great book. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about what happens in this book. Basically, here's a, the short synopsis: They there's a bunch of dwarves that want to go reclaim a kingdom that has a dragon uh, living within it, and they ask Bilbo to help them, and he does. And he's a hobbit. And he's a hobbit. And a hobbit a is a little what? A little folk. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what Gandalf says at one point? Yeah, I thought you said something else and that we would have to remove our clean tag from, <laughs> <laughs> from this podcast. But <laughs> thankfully you said a little folk. <laughs> Not so swearing anyway. wantonly here. <laughs> Four episodes in, I'm just going to let it go. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so uh, so yeah, so Bilbo goes on an adventure with a bunch of dwarves and a wizard. And, and he, uh, at one point he gets a ring, which matters to other works later. It matters to everything. <laughs> All right, well, that's our, uh, our spoiler-free version of events. So if that sounds interesting to you, you should stop this if you haven't read it before. Uh, you can buy the book. We've got links on our website, protagonistpodcast.com. Yes. Yes. And right. uh, let me just make a suggestion here. Um, if you're like me and you have a, a library of books that's not – so I've tried to um, simplify my life and every – maybe once a year I go through my books and I really I really uh, take a serious look at what is here that I'm going to keep and what is here that I really just am never going to read again and I'm, it's not like one of the most important books that I've ever read. And then I just send it away to the you know thrift store um and so the actually the library that i have are only books that i really really care about you and and i uh, are so different if you (laughs) if you're one of those people who maybe you don't want to have a huge library and you're like well i think i'll just get a kindle book man if the world ends and all of our devices die you (laughs) want to have the hobbit on your shelf so buy a real book and read it I just moved, and there were boxes and boxes and boxes of books. People who were helping me were cursing the size of my of my library. I don't know how many times you've moved, but we moved 14, 15 oh. times in 10 years. and uh, I'm, and, I'm nearing that number. <laughs> yeah. Grad school and jobs and lots and nets. Yeah. So anyway, if you, want a real, if, you, if you want a real book, this is one of the real books that you should own, The Hobbit. It's really, really, really good. All right, uh, so from here on out, that was our general, what's, what we're talking about. But here, we're going to be entering the spoiler zone. So the, the details are going to be a little more explicit from here on out. The spoiler zone. And that's explicit like... Uh, <laughs> not, not... <laughs> not like what I, you thought I said before. <laughs> okay, so Bilbo Baggins. This is going to be interesting. This is the first time that we've talked about a novel. Yeah, there's uh, a there's a, a lot of material. Um, I'll be honest. When I started reading this, I was not that impressed with Bilbo. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was deliberate because he, at first, I mean, I, well, even throughout the whole novel, this is not a novel that is necessarily character driven. It is event driven. You know, it's plot driven. Right. This, this is not Catcher in the Rye, where it's just all about the character. This this is about you know the hero's quest the journey this is very uh, you know follows the Campbellian hero's hero cycle uh, almost to a T and we start with Bilbo who you hear kind of has some ancestors who were maybe a bit more adventurous than most hobbits but uh, generally hobbits don't really care for adventure at all and so he's got the what do they call it the Took side and the Baggins side of him the Took side is a hair more adventurous than the Baggins side. Yeah, and uh, so Tolkien spends quite a lot of time in the first chapter uh, really establishing uh, Bilbo's character. And his character is, he lives in a hole in the ground, and it's not a nasty, dirty, wet hole. It's a nice, comfortable hole, and he's just... He he lives comfortably there, and he he's drinks content. his tea, he's a content and character. he's happy. Yeah. Yep. He, he likes his life as is. But, but there is, and this is something that I didn't pick up on the first time I read this book, 
is the way that Tolkien really uh, pits the two sides of Bilbo's character against each other. So there's the, the Baggins side, mm-hmm. there's the Baggins side and the Took side, and the Took side is the adventurous side. The Baggins side is the side that just wants to live kind of peace, peaceably and drink his tea. And uh, and at the beginning of this book, the Baggins side is almost completely dominant, and the Took side is just a a, a whisper of a whisper of a spark of a whisper in his, in his uh, psyche. And we get the, uh, the great wizard character Gandalf who appears, you know, that kind of character is present in a lot of fantasy writing. Uh, and he gives, you know, he stops by, sees Bilbo and uh, kind of says, we're going to have need of you. And then uh, suddenly there's a dozen dwarves <laughs> coming into uh, Bilbo's house. Yep. And one of the dwarves is a king without a kingdom. Oh, Thorin Oakenshield. Good name, Oakenshield. Yes. This, I, uh, uh, I, mean, I was going to say, this is Tolkien's, you know, dipping his toe into Middle-earth for the first time. And you see some things that kind of become iconic and that you just associate with that world that he builds across the Lord of the Rings and then, you know, the, the other texts that he does. Like random, uh, random breaking out into a song. <laughs> There's a lot of song. We should break into song in this podcast. Just, I uh, want to hear you sing. I'll let you pick any song you want. Like you <laughs> I, I want the one the wolves sing because I was not expecting the wolves <laughs> to break out into song. <laughs> I mean, they're wolves, but that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Goblins sing, dwarves sing, elves sing, hobbits sing. A lot of songs in this one. Um, but there's some great names like Thorn Oakenshield, but then there's also some things that don't quite feel like Middle Earth, like the uh, the names of the three goblins. Isn't it? Oh, I've got to look it up. What are, do you remember the names? It's like Tom and Bill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's, that's what we're going with? William and... Uh, see, you're looking it up on the internet. I'm actually looking in the text. We'll see who gets it faster. I'm pretty sure we should cut this out. William, <laughs> Tom, <laughs> Bert. Trolls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, William, Tom, and Bert are the three trolls. Yes. And those were not names I was expecting to find in a Lord of the Rings or Middle Earth type of uh, story. That's true. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't... We obviously can't dwell on every chapter like we like we will dwell. I, I think we could dwell on the first chapter, but man, there's so much character development in the first chapter, and uh, and you get such a such a feel for who Bilbo is, and he's just he's he's so concerned about these these people coming in, and he wants to entertain them. He and, wants to be a good host. He really well, legitimately cares about but the he's also, propriety of the situation, but he's, he's also, also terribly concerned that they're uh, going to destroy his home. Right. He's terribly concerned that they're going to destroy his home, and then they start talking about these these adventure things, and uh, and, then, and then they break into song, and, <laughs> and then after their song's over, um, it says, The Hobbit felt the love of beautiful things made by hands and cunning and by magic, moving through him a fierce and jealous love, the desire of the hearts of dwarves. And you can feel this this tiny spark of Tookishness kind of inside him, stirring inside of him. And Gandalf somehow was able to see that in in Bilbo, and we don't really know what it what it was that made Gandalf 
choose Bilbo for this adventure. Um, but but Gandalf, I mean Gandalf's another, I think, really important and really interesting character in this in the story. Um, but this first chapter is just crucial, I think, to setting up this arc. Um, in order for a hero to, to go on a journey and have the journey mean something, you have to know what the starting point is. And I think Tolkien really establishes the starting point well. And you do see more... So, I mean, there, there's a lot of characters in this, but I I mean, for several of them, I couldn't tell you much about them. Like, the dwarves kind of become lost in a jumble, mostly. It, yeah. Um, but you see an evolution and change uh, in Bilbo, and he, he grew on me as as I kept reading. Um, again, at first, I wasn't terribly impressed with him as a character, but seeing the changes that come, and they're not... Uh, it's not an instantaneous change. You know, you, you see the gradual change of him into a more key figure in their group, uh, into more of a decisive adventurer uh, and a decisive thief. I mean, he's, he's brought on to be their thief. Uh, even though he says, I don't know how to be a thief, but he, he grows into it all. Yep. So they, he, he ends up late, but he goes with them late because he misses a note and they begin on this journey, this quest for these 12 dwarves. Uh, is it 12, 13, 14 dwarves? There are 12 dwarves, a hobbit and a wizard. There we go. And they're trying to go reclaim this mountain and kingdom where they know smog a dragon is and at first their whole quest is just to get there and they say we'll deal with the dragon when we get there (laughs) which may be poor planning yeah may or may not be such a great idea (laughs) (laughs) but it's awfully hard for them to get to the to the lonely mountain yes there's all sorts of uh obstacles that arise as you expect in these sorts of quests so the first big obstacle that they come across are uh some trolls tom Bill. Tom, Bert, and William. Bert. Yeah. William, who goes by Bill. Bill Huggins. Yes. <laughs> Bill Huggins. <laughs> so, uh, so what do, you, do you have anything to say about the, the episode with the trolls? Uh, I mean, it's... I think it's handled well in that he, he wants to do what he's asked, which is to go steal from the trolls. But he fails at it. <laughs> I mean, this is uh, Bilbo, and, well, and also the the dwarves themselves. Also, they, I mean, they're they're fairly inept and in, incompetent in this adventure, and it is Chance and Gandalf that kind of pulls them out of it. Sure. So uh, I have a. Uh, um, so there's a thing that we say in in Spanish literature. I don't know if you say the same thing in English literature, but um, there's a theory that gets tossed around that says that basically all stories in modern literature are either a version of the Quixote. Or a version of Robinson Crusoe. Have you heard that? I've heard, I've heard other things. Uh, the seven basic plots. I've heard. Okay. And I've also heard that everything can go back to the Iliad or the Bible, right? Or the Iliad or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, I because of my training um, have been trained to see the Quixote and everything, and uh, and Bilbo is a really interesting kind of version of Don Quixote in that. Uh, so it doesn't strike me initially as a, as a really quixotic figure because he he's not like sitting around his house reading fantasy books about dragons uh, at the beginning of the story but in this episode with the with the trolls it tells us that he actually had read a lot of things and um it says he had read a good many things he had never seen or done <laughs> and he kind of knows what to do 
So he says, okay, uh, there are these trolls, and I'm a burglar, or I've been, you know, I've been brought on here to be a thief, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go try to steal some stuff, because you know, in the stuff that I've read, I, I think that that's the way that I should act, which is a very quixotic kind of thing to do. Um, right, and it, uh, I mean, it's kind of the fake it till you make it, and he does make it, right? <laughs> in the end, not in this episode. <laughs> no, in this episode, he ends up in a sack. Yes, and uh, as do all of the dwarves. Yes. Uh, and again, it's it's a uh, chance the you know the time passing and, and daylight coming, which is no good for the trolls. Uh, and uh, and then also Gandalf is what saves them. Okay, so we move uh, away from the trolls up into the mountains, and the the big concern in the mountains is uh, trolls. No, orcs. Goblins. Yeah, I got I got a little confused with the names that were being tossed around. <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> in this well and uh i mean my understanding is that there there have been some changes made to this book uh to make it line up better with what tolkien wrote in lord of the rings he changed a few few names of creatures and uh a rather significant plot point that we'll get to in a little bit so these are goblins they're goblins that are in the mountains and uh right and they uh they run off with uh, Bilbo and the dwarves. Uh, Gandalf is once again able to save them. Um, Bilbo gets lost in there as they're trying to escape out of these caves, and he comes to a lake. My precious. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> So, uh, there's a figure that, I mean, um, there is a review of the Hobbit that was written by C.S. Lewis. You may be familiar with him. And I am familiar with C.S. Lewis. Yes. And when he wrote a review of the Hobbit, which I'm trying to open up right now. Oh my goodness. Why won't you open? C.S. Lewis reviews the Hobbit. Yeah, it's it's not. Oh, here it comes. All right, C.S. Lewis wrote in 1937, so right after this book was was Hobbit. Um, he says, you know, Hobbit. Um, okay, he, he says the Hobbit, Alice in Wonderland, Flatland, The Wind in the Willows. Um, What's that other novel? Fantast Fantasties. I'm not familiar with that one. That one has not endured as well as some of these others. Um, it says that each of these novels admits us to a world of its own, a world that seems to have been going on long before we stumbled into it, but which once found by the right reader becomes indispensable to him. Um, and he says to define the world of the Hobbit is impossible because it's new. Now today that's not the case. So it's hard for me to read this as though this was a new world because um the the film trilogy of lord of the rings has put so much of tolkien into the culture and i'd already read those novels as well so there's familiarity with elements of the hobbit well and also any fantasy book that you read is a version of the Hobbit. i mean is is building i mean this kind of high fantasy tradition the right i mean uh, wheel of time you know is borrowing from others but now others borrow from tolkien right uh, so it was hard to go in there as though this was a, a new text and, you know, you get to this moment with Gollum and I can only picture Andy Serkis and hear Andy Serkis's, you know, voice, um, throughout this whole scene. And I was worried when I read this again, that, 
um, that the images in my mind would be the images from the films, and they weren't. Oh, they were for me. <laughs> and uh, I'm really, I'm really, ha- I'm really happy about that. <laughs> I mean, I love the film. I love the, I like the Lord of the Rings films much more than I have enjoyed the Hobbit films. I would agree with that. I haven't seen the third Hobbit film yet, but the first two N- uh, were wanting yeah. <laughs> in quality. And, and I love Martin Freeman as an actor, but um, but I really am pleased that in my mind I still have like my original Bilbo Baggins is still there. Do you have an original Gollum, or is it all Andy Circus? No, it's not Andy Circus. It's um, yeah, I have my own little my own little Gollum. Okay. Your own little golem. My own little golem. <laughs> um, and this uh, is one of the more famous sequences. I was familiar with this even, you know, I think I would have been familiar even without the films. You know, the riddles in the dark is what it's called. Right. Um, which I think this is the sequence that's been rewritten from the original version. Uh, or at least part of it. I guess in the original version, Gollum offers up the ring for whoever wins the contest. And in the version we have now, uh, Bilbo just kind of has found the ring and, you know, uses it without Gollum's permission. Mm -hmm. So, right. So he finds the ring um, and they have this battle of riddles. (laughs) Which, what is your feeling about this battle of riddles? (laughs) Like how Bilbo wins? (laughs) It's what, definitely, what's, the, what's the winning riddle that Bilbo gives? He says, "What is in my pocket?" <laughs> and, his, and and they they make mention in the in the text that this goes against all the rules of riddling, <laughs> right? But you know, when you're uh, when you're in a in a fight for your life, I think that if you can survive by uh, fudging a little bit on the rules of riddling, um, I I I, tr- I I consider myself an honest man, but uh, I don't know that. Um, and, and, you know, Bilbo's an honest hobbit. In the end, we see his, uh, his honesty. But, um, but yeah, well, I, I don't, can say, I don't begrudge, I don't begrudge him his, uh, his yeah. fudging the rules of riddling. Who could say what they would do if they were alone in a dark cave with Gollum? Only Bilbo Baggins, really. Yeah. And, uh, all the little skeletons that are around there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe they all, uh, maybe they all sacrifice themselves because they didn't want to break the rules of riddling, but he did. And, yeah, and this uh, is, um, I think it's a very important moment for Bilbo because he gets himself out of the scrape, which we hadn't really seen before. True. Um, and then he also makes the decision to not tell anyone about the ring. He also makes the decision to not kill Gollum. Right. When he has a chance. So he, so the the ring, If I don't know if we mentioned this yet, but you put on this ring and it makes you invisible. Uh, and so... When Bilbo has the ring on, he has the upper hand on Gollum, and Gollum has already been threatening to kill him and given Bilbo ample reason to uh, end him, and Bilbo doesn't. And then he, uh, so Bilbo is able to escape from both Gollum and uh, the goblins. Goblins, right? Not orcs. They're goblins, yes. Okay. And he rejoins the dwarves, and he, um, he doesn't tell them exactly how he escaped. I think there's one thing in here um, at the very end of Riddles in the Dark, this chapter, uh, that stood out to me in, in talking about characters. Um, I don't, I don't know that we often talk about the Ring as a character, or the Ring having any. In the Lord of the Rings, the Ring kind of takes on more of the mantle of character, but even here, um, there's this like 
briefest allusion to um uh so Bilbo has on the ring and then the people see him i mean these these uh, goblins see him and it says they saw him whether it was an accident or a last trick of the ring before it took a new master it was not on his finger oh the, it, it fell off of his finger um and then with yells of delight the goblins rush, rush upon him and so even i think i, I don't know this book this book's written in 1937 the lord of the rings comes out in 1954 so almost 20 years later um and i don't know how how much of an idea tolkien had writing the hobbit of the the role of the ring in in the future but even here he's sort of slipping in this idea that that maybe there's more to the ring than we uh than we're led to believe in this well, book and uh when tolkien does the rewrite of the riddles in the dark chapter to make it it, it makes bilbo a little more nefarious that he just steals this ring it's not you know part of the deal uh-huh. of playing the riddle game with with Gollum. He explained it within the text uh, by saying that Bilbo had written the earlier version to make him seem better uh, when he was under the influence of the ring. Like the ring was tricking him into trying to present a better version of himself to the world. Uh-huh. So, yeah, you know, when he when he's trying to shift it, he is making the ring even more insidious, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, so, so they, they get out. Get There's out. a chase with the singing wolves yes the wolves come and uh they <laughs> when they're about to trees. eat them they sing some songs while the um the dwarves and and bilbo are up in the trees and gandalf and then uh famously we get the first introduction of the giant eagles that appear when needed in lord of the rings stories <laughs> <laughs> i like the eagles <laughs> it's uh it's ever since the uh how the hobbit should have ended video was was done uh <laughs> the oh. Eagles have gotten a bad rap. <laughs> I, I have not seen that video. <laughs> so, so the video, it's like, it's only a minute or two long. And all it is, is uh, they say, we need to go get this ring to, to Mordor. And Gandalf calls the Eagles. And then they're all flying off on the backs of Eagles. <laughs> and they it's fly how, to Mordor. And how the Frodo Lord of the Rings should have ended? Yes, how the Lord of the Rings should have ended. <laughs> and Frodo okay. just drops it into the volcano. And, and then the Eagles are flying away. And they're like, could you imagine how long this would take if we'd walked the whole way? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But ever since you know that became kind of a meme, the, the presence of Eagles in Tolkien has, I think, uh, become something of a, of a topic online for criticism. <laughs> Oh man! But um, in this, uh, you know, it explains more of the eagles' personality. I mean, in the films, there's, you know, the eagles just kind of come. In this, the eagles talk. You get some of their culture, and you get the sense that they they don't just intervene whenever you want. You have to kind of earn their intervention. Right. So at the very end of chapter six, what out of the frying pan into the fire? There's this. I wanted to ask you about this. It says this is the very very last paragraph of that uh, chapter. Uh, all night he dreamed of his own house and wandered in his sleep into all his different rooms looking for something that he could not find nor remember what it looked like. So my question for you is, what is he looking for in his dream? I think he's looking for um, that that sense of home. I think that's gone for him because his Tukish side is, is coming out more. Uh, he's looking for the sense of contentment. Okay. I like did, you that. Have, did you have an object you thought he was looking for? <laughs> I think he was looking for a teacup. No. Um, <laughs> his pipe. Where does he put the pipe? 
No, I like that. I just um, I don't think it's uh, an accidental thing. I mean, I don't think no, he's I, looking, I, I, I don't think, think, think that he's showing, looking for his pipe. Yeah, I think it is just showing that he's he's not the Hobbit that we saw at the beginning of the novel, who would have been, you know, he wouldn't have hunted through his whole house. He would have just sat contentedly there. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I don't know. It's still. I don't know. I, I feel like I need to think about it some more. All right. Well, if while it's percolating in the back of your head, you come <laughs> up with an answer while recording, let us know. <laughs> um, so we get uh, from from the after the eagles save uh, save them all, fly them away from the wolves and the goblins that were chasing them out of the the goblin mountain. They go on this walk through the dark forest. It's called the dark forest or Mirkwood, right? Well, first they meet Bjorn. Oh, that's right. Right, Bjorn, who is uh, I mean what. What's the title? Is it Skinwalker? He's shape a changer, skin changer. Yeah, skin he's a changer. shapeshifter. Um, and he hosts them um, and briefly, and you get the sense that he doesn't usually like groups. There's a great sequence of, of Gandalf kind of tricking him into thinking that he's seen most of uh, the group when it's just you know three or four of them, and one by one or two by two, the the dwarves keep keep showing up, and he eventually houses them all for a little bit, and then tells them where to walk through Mirkwood. Uh-huh. And in Mirkward, uh, we get another moment where, so, so Bilbo, you know, saved himself from Gollum, and in Mirkwood, he actually saves the entire group from giant spiders. Ugh, spiders. Yeah, spiders appear quite a bit in Lord of the Rings, in, in, in Middle-earth. Big spiders yeah. are a problem there. I'm not a big fan of spiders. Um, and, and so the spiders actually trap Bilbo and all of the dwarves, um... And Bilbo is able to cut his way out and use his ring to free everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think just just further cementing that this is, uh, you know, he's growing in, in heroism and in also competence <laughs> on this quest. Yeah, he kills the spider. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, it's legitimate. He, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an important moment for him. And somehow, from, he says, somehow the killing of the giant spider all alone by himself in the dark without the help of the wizard or the dwarves or of anyone else made a great difference to Mr. Baggins. He felt a different person and much fiercer and bolder in spite of an empty stomach as he wiped his sword on the grass and put it back in its sheath. Yeah, that's what I, I really did enjoy is Bilbo transforms throughout this novel. He is a different character at the end than he is at the beginning. Uh, he's not just swept up by the events. You know, he, he is becoming an actor uh, in, the, in the story, whereas at first he's kind of a prop that's getting dragged around by the dwarves. And, I, and, uh, and I, that's something that I hadn't remembered as well from when I was a kid reading this. I mean, obviously, when you're 10, you're not appreciating the... <laughs> nuances of character development. The nuances of character development. Like, whoa, giant spiders! <laughs> but, um, but I, and, I, and I, was, I was a little bit worried going into this read, thinking, oh, I hope that this is really as good as I remember it and that it holds up. And, and I thought that it did. And I thought that the pacing of Bilbo's development was really good. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, I think we skipped over. They do meet some elves and visit Rivendell, which, again, is one thing that gets picked up and, and expanded upon in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And that's before they go up into the mountains and get right. uh, hauled up by the goblins. After the giant spiders, I believe, next is going to Lake Town, right? Where we meet men. After the after the giant spiders, they... Um, oh, no, wait, it's the, they get the lost. wood elves. They get lost in Mirkwood, and they get um, captured by the wood elves. 
they get captured left and right in this, you know. But this time, <laughs> but this time, uh, Bilbo does not get captured. Uh, only and he again saves captured. the entire group. Mm-hmm. He puts slips on his ring, and he actually spends a lot of time in the in the Wood Elves. Uh, what their lair? Right. Uh, so against the spiders, he he kind of proved himself in battle, uh, uh-huh. and in this, he uh, plots and plans his way. Yeah, shows his his cunning. But, but I, I I had forgotten how long he spends just kind of hiding out, and he has to find all of them, and then he has to find Thorin, and it takes a long. It takes. I mean, he's he's in there for it seems like weeks or yeah, or, weeks is definitely at least uh, yeah. how long I thought he was in there. And then um, he hatches he, this plan to get them out by uh, by packing them into barrels. And uh, floating them down the river. Yes. And uh, though it's still, he's not, <laughs> even though it is his plan and he's improving, he's doing the, the plotting. It's not a perfect plan because he forgets about himself. <laughs> <laughs> he, he gets all the dwarves packed away and they get sent down the river and then he's standing there like, oh, oh. <laughs> and he, he jumps on top of uh, one of the last barrels that's being thrown out. So the elves are sending empty barrels down the river to be filled uh, you know, with, with supplies elsewhere and they'll be brought back to them. Uh, but they use the river as the means of tra- transport for these, so he he sneaks all of the dwarves in. You think this is Bilbo's baptism? Well, yeah. I mean, you've got water, and you've got him you know, taking a, a role that he's never had before. So I, I think there's something of a rebirth there. And certainly there's more respect from the dwarves. I mean, each of these instances of you know him escaping the goblins him defeating the spiders and now him plotting this the the respect that he's given from the dwarves is growing in each instance uh at the beginning they they really don't respect him they are confused as to why gandalf is sending bilbo baggins with them right and gandalf right, tells so them here we go oh go sorry no gandalf just tells them you know my decisions are you know i make my own decisions and you just have to trust me on this one you're going to be glad that you have this guy around and I guess it's important to note that Gandalf is not with them through a good chunk of these. Uh, you know, he helps them out with the the earlier trolls. Uh, he's there with them in the gob- uh, with the goblins, but he's not with them in Mirkwood at all. Yeah, I'd like to talk about Gandalf, but maybe we do that <laughs> in another podcast because we're already a bit long. Towards the end. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're only thirty five minutes into this. Okay. Well, they get to. I mean, we haven't even t- touched on smog yet. <laughs> so they get to Lake Town where they meet men for the first time. And there's, what is he called? The mayor of Lake Town? The lord of Lake Town? The master. The master. There we go. The master of Lake Town, who's kind of a pompous uh, leader. Uh, but then there's also Bard, who is, you know, has no real authority, but he's the real leader of, of the men. Or becomes the real leader of the men, I guess. Yeah. Um, and in Lake Town, they get supplies, they're able to rest, and then they say, we're going to go we're going to go get our kingdom back. And the master's like, okay, uh, just leave. I'm tired of feeding you. And he just assumes that they're going to, that they're either pretenders or that they're going to go get themselves killed. And he's happy with either of those scenarios. He, he, yeah, the, the Lord of Lake town is, you know, a good life or the master of Lake town. <laughs> I should say, I'm throwing out every synonym for that possible. Uh, and he's content to keep the, you know, the status quo and these dwarves are disrupting the status quo. So he just kind of wants things back to the way they were so they head out to the lonely mountain uh they reach it they find the secret door uh, they're eventually able to open the door and then bilbo enters 
the secret uh, passageway and meets the dragon. Smog. Smog. In the movies, did they start saying smog? It was weird. I mean, it's kind of like, is it Han Solo or Han Solo? It depends on who's saying it. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. If you say Han Solo, then you're saying it wrong. A lot of the characters say Han in in Star Wars. Well, Maybe we'll talk about that at a later podcast. Oh, I can't imagine us ever talking about Star Wars in this thing. Yeah. Okay, maybe we will. All right, so the dwarves, uh, I love this, though. They're like, uh, you're here as our thief, so if you want your share of the the treasure, you're going to go be a thief. And you go explore these caverns, come back and and show, you know, tell us what you find. And Bill was kind of like, I think I've earned my share already. (laughs) (laughs) I think we get a a really great contrast. This is uh, chapter 12 now that we're looking at. Pretty close, I think. And uh, I think we get a really great contrast between Bilbo and his development as a character and the dwarves where initially the dwarves looked like these great adventurous kind of heroes. Um, and now we see that the dwarves are really kind of petty and small. Um, not just, you know, small, and but <laughs> motivated by greed, right? They're, they're not heroes. And Bilbo is. Bilbo's, Bilbo's proven himself. I mean, even Thorin says it. He's proven himself a good companion. He's full of courage and resource. And he's got good luck. And uh, those are all really important characters, characteristics in, in heroes. And, uh, and it says dwarves are not heroes. They're calculating folk with a great idea of the value of money. And that's, and that's pretty damning for the, for the dwarves. The, but, but now... Bilbo is the leader. Yeah, it definitely elevates Bilbo, uh, and that ele- you know that elevation does do the simultaneous kind of lowering of our esteem of the dwarves. Yeah. And he's a he's a what do you say a very different Hobbit from the one that had run out without a pocket handkerchief from Bag End long ago. Maybe he was looking for the pocket handkerchief in that dream. Maybe, 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 maybe. All right, so he goes in and he talks to Smog, and how does that conversation go? Uh, not, not well. <laughs> he gets his little, he gets his little bottom singed. <laughs> the fur off of his feet, right? His little hobbit, his little hobbit bottom gets singed. Uh, I, uh, I'm sorry. I know, I don't know. Wait, well, this whole, this whole sequence at the end, we've gotten this wonderful transformation of Bilbo, but I found the end of the novel kind of odd, I guess. Mm-hmm. Why? How so? Well, it's all built to the dwarves and Bilbo going and reclaiming this kingdom from Smog, and they don't kill Smog. <laughs> and <laughs> then, uh, so so they wake Smog up and they get him really angry. And Smog goes and flies over. You know, he's just going to go destroy everything that he can see. So he goes to destroy Lake Town, and Bard kills Smog. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and that's that. And the the dwarves and Bilbo. But how does know. he how does he know how to kill Smog? Because Bilbo spotted something and mentioned it, and a bird heard him, and the bird told told Bard there how to go. kill him. <laughs> uh, but uh, so th- that felt kind of anticlimactic for me because the the dwarves literally they have no idea if Smog's still around. Like they're hiding in, <laughs> in the mountain, <laughs> waiting for Smog to come back and kill them. <laughs> I had totally forgotten the end of this story. And then 
it also builds, so after that, it builds to the people of Lake Town are angry because Smog destroyed their kingdom. But when they killed Smog, word started to spread that Smog has been killed and all these races had know of the legend of the treasure that Smog had and they all want a piece of this treasure. So goblins are coming, elves are coming, the men are coming from Lake Town to say, we want some of this treasure. And, you know, it talks about how this is now going to be the Battle of the Five Armies, which... Again, I hadn't read this, and, you know, the marketing of the films, and everything. think, oh, this is going to be the big finale. And <laughs> the battle kind of, I don't know, the description of the battle just kind of says, and they fought, and then the good guys won. <laughs> well, they, they're and, fighting, and, and the good guys are getting whooped, and then Bilbo gets his head knocked just as he sees the eagles flying in. And that's the end. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he wakes up, and the battle's over, and they tell him that the eagles came, and they got the, they got the nasty goblins off of the, off the mountain. And then they won. And so Bilbo doesn't really have anything to do with this. Bilbo's best moment, I guess we, we skipped over a key moment for Bilbo, which is that he steals the Arkenstone. Oh, yes. Which is, you know, the, the, the piece of treasure that Thorin wanted most. And he, he finds out that how much Thorin wants this. And Thorin is insisting that they're going to battle, you know, the elves and the men and whoever comes, even though there's only, you know, the 12 dwarves and, and Bilbo, uh, that they're going to fight everyone off and protect their their treasure and bilbo goes and gives the arkenstone to bard and the elves and says use this to bargain for what you want from thor and he'll trade you you know the treasure that you guys want and feel that you deserve in order to get this back so bilbo's trying to like negotiate peace how do you feel this. how do you feel about bilbo as a as a negotiator <laughs> uh did that feel like the right move to you? It felt like an all right move. I don't know that it was necessarily the right move or, or the only move to make, but the way it happened was just kind of matter of fact. Uh-huh. I guess we didn't really, we weren't told of what his plot was. He just kind of goes and says, here, do this. And they kind of say, okay, we will. <laughs> so there's like no real convincing that has to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you can respect Bilbo for hatching the plot and it's a good enough plot that everyone goes aw- along with it. But it didn't. I guess it didn't really feel earned to me yeah, that I'd, it I'd that it that. worked. Because yeah. I mean, he, he you know he sneaks out from the dwarves at night, and he runs down, and you know he finds the elves. He's like, "Take me to your leaders." They do. He says, "Here, do this," and they say, "Okay, we will." And he sneaks back to the dwarves. <laughs> yeah, I kind of. I don't know. It seems kind of fitting for me that because he is so so kind of matter matter of fact. Yeah. Even then, they're like. Man, Thorin is going to eat you alive. You just gave us his Arkenstone. And Bilbo's like, yeah, but they're my friends. I think I should go back. <laughs> yeah. Like, you should I stay here like with us. We'll protect well, you. And Bilbo's like, like no. no. I've got I've to wake up the guy who's watching took over because he's going to be in trouble if I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something. So I do like that. Yeah, I, do, I like that part. Um, but I, I guess this whole finale, from then on, though, we've gotten this great buildup of who Bilbo is. But then he doesn't really feature in you know, the denouement of the story. No, but, but at that point, even Bilbo himself is like, you know what? I mean, it, it, the whole, the whole battle of the five armies and everything, once he's, I, I don't know. I think that the, 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 the crucial point for him, his climax is when he decides to go down the tunnel the first time. Mm-hmm. This is going, going down, going down there was the bravest thing he'd ever did, done. Tremendous things that happened afterward, whereas nothing compared to it. He fought the real battle in the tunnel alone before he ever saw the vast danger that lay in wait. That's his big moment. Yeah, and once that, that happens, that line where he's you know the once he's face to face with smog, everything he does is reacting. It's not choosing, 
choosing to go into the tunnel is the most heroic choice that he makes. Yeah, but after that, I feel like his arc's done. I mean, he's reached... He he's he's been illuminated. He's been individuated. I mean, he he's he's re- his his hero arc is complete, and that's that's the most tookish thing that he can do is is face his fear and walk down that tunnel by himself. And after that, he's like, you know what, my story's done. And when when Thorin's so concerned about the the treasure, and and then all these people are coming, Bilbo's like, man, this is. I just don't even feel like I belong here anymore. Well, I just want to I just want to go home. Yeah, and his agreement to join them was to get, you know, his one fourteenth of the treasure. Uh-huh. And when he takes the Arkenstone, he says, you know, this is this is my share of the treasure. Just call it that. Uh, he's giving up his treasure to try and negotiate peace between all these people. Yeah. So I I, I don't know. I I think it would be out of character for Bilbo to be a huge player in this thing when that's that's not his that's not his gig. And saying this, having not seen the third film, it makes me wonder what's going to happen in that third film because this <laughs> the battle of the five armies is really abrupt in in the novel <laughs> well i'm sure i mean you can imagine it, 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 this podcast isn't about the movies but one thing that they did do in the movies was add a bunch of characters and um flesh out so they fleshed out some of the characters that don't really get fleshed out in the novel and then they added a bunch of other characters mm-hmm. um and now they have this big cast of characters, and they can do what the that Lord of the Rings fr- franchise does, which is do a great big battle with some really great heroic moments. And right. I'm, I'm sure it will be fine. But it's not this. I mean, it won't be. It's not this. It's not as faithful to the novel as I think the Lord of the Ring, Lord of the Rings films right. were which to their source right, material. Um, I, I guess another key moment in the Battle of Five Armies, though, well, after Bilbo wakes up, he finds out that Thorin has been wounded so badly that he's going to die, and then he does. And, uh, Bilbo, I guess at the end, he just kind of takes a little bit of the treasure with him in a small pack and goes home. Yeah. Where he finds out that his family has auctioned away his belongings or <laughs> they're trying to move into his house. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love it. So he has to use his treasure to buy back his stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I liked, uh, I liked Thorin's death. I mean, I don't like that Thorin died, but, uh, I thought it was a nice moment for Bilbo. Well, I think it was, uh, redemption that was needed because he'd kind of fallen in our steam. Like you said, at the beginning, he seems noble. He has this quest that seems right, uh, that he, you know, and, and his cause for it isn't, Strictly greed, you know, it's about his family and, you know, uh, what's, you know, right and just and moral and all these things. But he becomes very obsessed with the treasure once he sees it. He's ready to throw Bilbo off a cliff. Yeah, he falls from grace considerably. And uh, as we know from all these heroic journey quest stories, death is very redemptive. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing can can make the audience love you again like dying nobly. <laughs> now that we've done our, our much more in-depth discussion, why do you like about Bilbo so much? I love... I'm just a total sucker for the hero's journey done well. And this is one of the great, I think, classic um, hero's journey tales that's really done well. I, I think... Uh, I like the fact that in the, even from the very, very beginning... He's not, it's not like, um, he's all Baggins and then he becomes Took 
and then that's his journey, which it easily could have been. I mean, he could have come back a, like a mighty warrior, and he he realized that being Baggins was really horrible. Um, th- that's a story that Tolkien could have told. And in the end, he tells. I think he manages to find this really um, this really nice uh, balancing act in Bilbo throughout. And and in the beginning, he's certainly more Baggins than he is Took, but he is still Took. He knows he's read the stories, and when he hears the dwarves talking about the Lonely Mountain and the treasure and the dragon, there's a, a small piece of his soul that that yearns for adventure. Um, and then as the story progresses, we see that Took side uh, take more and more control, but never, but but Baggins never leaves, and and he he always stands as a balance, a counterbalance to the dwarves. So when the dwarves are really excited about treasure, he's always like, oh, I really kind of just want to go home. And when the dwarves are all really, really down and and ready to give up on their quest, then Bilbo is the one that's able to say, hey, come on, like let's keep going. Um, and and in the end, he, his took side is strong. But once the once that once that side of him is developed. And he's able to face his fear and face the dragon. Then, he, then Baggins comes back, and he says, "You know, I'm ready to go home, and I don't need to have piles and piles of gold. I'll just take a couple of chests." And he comes back, and he's different, and he's lost his reputation for being a homebody um, that he had a, a, in the Shire. But I just, I think that Tolkien really. Sorry, I'm kind of rambling, but I think that Tolkien uh, balances. The took in the bag inside in a way that, um, that where he never sells out one or the other. Yeah, and in the classic Cambellian hero's journey, there's often the point of return when the hero has been so changed by his adventure that he doesn't fit in anymore back home. And I mean, that's what happens to Frodo in The Lord of the Rings, but it does not happen to Bilbo. Um, and Frodo has to leave. Yeah, Frodo can't return home. It's impossible because he's been changed so much. But Bilbo, he's able, like you said, to kind of return to his bag-in self. And I like, I mean, I like the character of Bilbo at the beginning of the novel when he's just happy being at home. And I like the natural progression that we get. I, You know, I like both versions of the characters. It's not like one of those versions is unlikable. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what I'm trying to say is that um, he, he, it feels like he's the same person throughout and you and you have different different sides of his character that that come on more strongly at different points in the story but it never feels like the change is so dramatic that you would look back and say oh he's a completely different person at the end than he was at the beginning no he's still the same person he's just better he's more balanced and he's he's uh i mean yeah he's he's better he's illuminated but not but not a different person all right um Let's see. You want to talk about any other characters? I've got to be honest, Todd. A lot of the other characters kind of got lost for me. Like I, I couldn't distinguish the, many dwarves before, besides so the, the fat one. <laughs> the fat. Well, the dwarves are all the dwarves are all kind of they all kind of blend together. Yes, um, Thorin doesn't. I guess Thorin is, uh, you know, very distinct. He's got the again the king without a kingdom. Um, and then you also do have his fall when he becomes obsessed with the treasure. Balin, I think, has some nice moments. Balin is um, 
uh, he's one of the older dwarves. I think he may be the oldest. And he right. really likes Bilbo. And he's, he's the, the one, one that, that accompanies Bilbo part partway down the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that knew the kingdom before it fell to smog. Right. Um, the other character that I really liked this time reading with was uh, Bayorn, the shapeshifter. I thought he was a really cool character. And he he was kind of lost in my memory. And right. and reading it again, I just thought, oh, I really like him. I remember yeah, him you, being mean, but he's not mean in this at all. He's really nice, except he's mean when he turns into a bear and destroys all of the mean goblins. <laughs> and I did, I think one of my favorite scenes was that sequence of Gandalf kind of tricking him into welcoming them all into his home. Yeah. Uh, it was just a fun scene of Gandalf like giving him enough of the story that he was going to ask for more, even as more people were appearing and coming out. Um, Todd, yeah. when we so, did Casablanca an episode ago, we kind of talked about how Ilsa wasn't the greatest female character. Uh, are there any strong female <laughs> characters you want to talk about in this one? <laughs> I, um, that was actually one of the last things that I was going to bring up. Is this is not uh, this is not really a great place to go if you're looking for a strong female character. <laughs> there are no. <laughs> Are there any female characters in the whole I don't think there's story? a single one in the entire story. I don't think there is either. Maybe uh, when they're talking about Baggins' relations, some of those are females. <laughs> oh, no, his mother was a Took. Isn't, is, isn't the Took Right, took but she's, I mean, she's not really a, a character in the story, though. More just... No, 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 oh, no, no, no. But, but I think that that's interesting that... Um, I mean, thinking about Hero's Journey and, like, Jungian right. arch- archetypes, that the Baggins is his father's side, which would be his, uh, his light side, like his conscience More side. domestic... Yeah. And the the took side is his shadow side, which which I mean it makes sense. So that's cool. But no, there are no female characters, and um, and I I don't really know what to say about that. I mean it's a great story. <laughs> um, I don't think that the films are better because they have a strong female character in them. Um, I think that they're just I, it's different. It's a different story. And, right. and I don't I actually don't mind that female character in there. Uh, I can't remember the name of it's Evangeline Lilly from Lost who plays her. I know <laughs> that's the only way that I can think of her. Also, I I don't dislike her as a character. I just think that it um, fundamentally changes the story. I don't I don't consider the Hobbit films to be the same story as the Hobbit novel. I think that they they've they've changed the the plot enough and added enough to the story that to me they're really two different things and and that's fine yeah but uh, i I think that happens to every adaptation you're telling the story in a different medium and that changes the story inherently yeah obviously there were more liberal i mean there were much more liberties taken with the hobbit in that adaptation but i think any adaptation is gonna be a different story right yeah so but uh but yeah it's i i do Going through it this time, I thought, man, there really are no female characters. In this <laughs> reminded not, me of like, <laughs> like watching the the extra material on the Lord of the Rings films when Liv Tyler is talking about, um, like shooting that film, and she felt like she was like the only girl at scout camp <laughs> when they were filming it because it's just all men, and then her, and she like show up, and they've all been camping, and she'd be there for like a day, and then leave, and then they'd all just keep camping and. Uh, so yeah, but, um, I don't know. He makes up for it with some good female characters in Lord of the Rings. So, 
All right. Well, I guess that wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can subscribe to The Protagonist in iTunes, and we would also encourage you to leave a review there if you like what you hear. You can find complete show notes for this episode and a list of all of our shows at protagonistpodcast.com. If you have suggestions of things you would like to hear us talk about or comments about the podcast, you can send us an email at feedback at protagonistpodcast.com, or you can find us on Twitter at at protagonistpod. You can also find us each on Twitter. I'm at Jay Dorowski. He's at Todd Mack. Our producer, Andrew, is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So long. Fifteen birds in five fir trees, their feathers were fanned in a fiery breeze. What funny little birds, they had no wings. Oh, what shall we do with the funny little things? Roast them alive or stew them in a pot. Fry them, boil them, and eat them hot. So, there you go. <laughs> really don't hope that's not an issue with ASCAP. <laughs> I don't think I was singing a registered tune. Ascap's gonna put a, a cap in our pod. <laughs>